0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 28. And as you are turning there in your Bible, your device, however you access the scripture, I want to, uh, let's do some math. This is kind of like algebra a little bit because we're not going to be adding just numbers together here. Uh, We're actually going to be adding some principles together this morning and see what we come up with. For the last uh, three weeks or so preceding this week, we have been talking about the subject of thanksgiving and what a benefit that is to our lives. And we've been uh, addressing some particular disciplines that if we engage in those things, they will help us to be a thankful people. So, uh, one last time, I'm gonna recap the subjects of these messages because I believe that as we step back and take a look at the broader scope of this, we're gonna see that all of these things coming together can add up to something else powerful in our lives. And uh, first of all, the first week, we talked about the power of contentment and uh, what a benefit that would be in our lives. We talked about the power of praise, secondly, And last week, we spoke about the power of perspective. Now, these are all very important disciplines in our lives and in our spiritual walk. And how many of you know that if you have a goal that you seek to attain, it is imperative that you employ the right disciplines to move you towards your goal? If I wanted to prepare for my body for endurance then you know that my discipline or lack thereof of laying on the sofa and eating snacks would not propel me towards that goal. Um, I would not achieve that end because I would not have employed the right disciplines in our lives. But when we exercise contentment and we practice praise and we continually work on our perspective... In order to build strength in certain areas, be it physical, mental, or spiritual, it's necessary that we have the right disciplines. And if we're going to be a thankful people, these are necessary exercises, necessary disciplines in our lives because you see we're not just looking for a change in mechanics this morning when we talk about exercising contentment and practicing praise and working on our perspectives we're not just focusing on the mechanics of that to say that we have a different you know a different regimen than someone else but we're saying we're working on those things in order to change our hearts what we're working towards is a heart change And I believe that the cumulative total of the disciplines of contentment and praise and perspective is that of a grateful heart. When you add all those things together in your life and you practice those things and you work on it, you'll find out that the end result will be that you will have a heart of thanksgiving that flows from a sincere gratitude of the blessings of God in your life. Now, and and that won't be just simply occasionally or because the calendar says so, that it's time for it, but it will be because you have recognized and realized God's blessing in your life and you will live life as a grateful person. Now I want you to look with me here, Psalm 27, and we're gonna begin reading in verse seven. As a matter of fact, we're gonna read that single verse. And I'm reading to you this morning from the New Living Translation just simply for the clarity of the statement here. And uh, it is just phrased so well here to, to drive this point home and really help us understand here. But the psalmist begins to reflect on the goodness of God in his life. And this is what he comes up with after that reflection The Lord is my strength and my shield. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I trust him with all my heart. How many of you trust Jesus with all your heart this morning? I trust him with all my heart. And my heart is filled with joy. And I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. The psalmist says, I've been spending some time focusing on what the Lord has been doing in my life. I've been looking at the ways that God has blessed me, and the end result is that my heart now overflows with thanksgiving. It busts out of me. It springs forth out of me. I can't contain. He's almost like Jeremiah. It's like a fire shut up in his bones. It's got to come out. He's got to find expression for the thanks that he knows in his heart. He says, I, I, my heart is filled with joy and I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. How many of you have ever been on the backside of a situation or a certain blessing in your life and, and you, know, you were just suddenly stricken with the realization of what God was doing or had done on your behalf and you just couldn't hold it anymore? You're just like, I mean, sometimes God shows up and moves in our lives and it wrecks us, doesn't it? I mean, we can't hang on to it anymore. The tears begin to flow. We begin to weep. We just want to throw up our hands wherever we are. You might be in the middle of Walmart. You may be in the grocery store. You may be at the office. Wherever you are, it's okay just to say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my life. And what we see happening here. And it happens in the life of the psalmist and it will happen in ours as well. That if we discipline ourselves in the right way with the end result being, Lord, change my heart. Help me to be at the core of who I am, a grateful person. We'll see that these disciplines will lead us to a place like the psalmist that expressing gratitude is no longer an exercise, but it's an outflow of the heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know about you, but I want to, as I look back over my life and recognize everything that the Lord has done for me, I want to do more than give him lip service on a designated Thursday in November. Come on, somebody. I want to be a grateful person. I want to be a person whose heart is filled with gratitude. And I want to share with you today why it's such a powerful thing that gratitude flows out of our hearts towards the Lord. We've entitled this message today, The Power of a Grateful Heart. See, we're instructed over and over and over in the Bible with words like, give thanks to the Lord. We're instructed to rejoice in the Lord. We're instructed to praise the Lord. Over and over and over, we get these words here. And let me just clarify that, number one, that's not optional. It's a command from the word. Number two, it's not because God is some kind of narcissist who suffers from cosmic conceit and he just needs the affirmation of we his people. No, it, it's, and in fact, it's not for his benefit mainly that we're instructed to praise the Lord. It's for ours. It's for our benefit. It is a privilege. Understand this. It is a privilege to be able to come into the house of the Lord... Jesus Christ having been crucified, his blood shed for our sins, and the temple veil torn into, that we through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Calvary can enter into the presence of the Most High God, it is a privilege today to be able to worship the Lord. It's a privilege to have a song to sing. It's a privilege to have a reason to rejoice. And it's for our benefit, and it works best when our hearts have been moved to gratitude. And I want to share with you a few reasons why this morning that it's so beneficial and so powerful that you and I have hearts of gratitude. Number one, and if you're following along on the back of your bulletin, there are some notes there. There are even some extra scriptures included for your further study at a later time. Um, If I preach this message in full today, it would be about three and a half hours, but we'll settle for just a portion of that today. And uh, everybody said, Amen. amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Number one, a grateful heart dispels the lies of the enemy. A grateful heart dispels the lies of the enemy. Last week, we spoke about the power of perspective and how important that is in the context of thanksgiving. And gratitude requires a shift in focus. You see, it demands that we turn our attention away from what we don't have. These are the things with which the enemy continually and Constantly wants to highlight in our minds. How many of you find it to be a difficult thing to turn your attention away from what you don't have? You know, it can be, God can be just raining down manna in your life. The blessings can be pouring in from every direction and if you will permit it, the adversary will come alongside of you and regardless of how great and how abundant the blessings of the Lord, he will try to turn your focus away from all the things with which you have been blessed and to the one little thing that you might perceive as a lack or a want in your life. That's his tactic. That's his scheme. You know... Those are the things that the enemy continually wants to highlight in our minds, is what we don't have. We're, we're looking into those areas of our lives, so, in finding how to be thankful. Listen, I don't think the enemy has ever, I don't believe the devil has ever approached a believer. Now that's an important context there. I don't believe the the devil has ever approached a believer so as to say, oh, come on, pal, it's not that bad. I mean, what's wrong with what you've got? You know, if you really just take a moment and look around, you really are blessed. You really are highly favored of the Lord. No, 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 no. He may do something like that with a non-believer who's beginning to question the emptiness of all of life's pursuits and the vanity of having amassed everything under the sun but still being void of God in his life. But not we as believers. No, he's constantly trying to turn our attention to what we don't have. He's constantly trying to discredit the promises and the character of God in our lives. But gratitude will take our eyes off of those things. It demands that we focus on the truth. Gratitude causes us to focus on the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is that we're blessed. We are a blessed people. How many of you last week, as you know, through this past week after last week's message, as you've been reaching in your pocket for those keys, or you've been digging in your purse to pull those keys, how many of you had a different perspective and you've been realizing every time you reach for those things the blessing of God in your life? Amen. A lot of hands going up all over this place. But when we focus on the truth, and that truth being that we are blessed we look into the promises of God and we weigh those things against our own lives and our life experience. Now, note there that I said we, when we're focusing on the truth, we're looking at the promises of God. We're not looking at the way we thought it would be. We're not looking at the way we want it to be. But we're looking at the way that God said it would be. And sometimes there's a stark distinction between the way we have wanted it to be and the way that God said it would be. You know, here's something. If you want some shouting material here this morning, Jesus said in the world you will have trouble. It's it's common to man. It's coming your way. You know, you're going to bump into it somewhere along life's way. And the more you strive to walk in the order of God's purpose for your life, the more you may encounter that. The more the adversary may come against you. In the world, you will have trouble. And sometimes we get so hung up on that that we don't understand. And all we do is stand around and say... Why is it this way? Well, God never said it wouldn't be that way. But he did say he would always be with us. That he would never leave nor forsake us. That his grace would be sufficient for everything that we faced in this life. That he would give us the strength that we needed. And sometimes we're all so all tore up over the way we thought things would be and we feel like God has failed us. But the truth is that the way we thought things would be are actually some kind of fairy tale experience that doesn't exist. And I challenge you today to look at life not the way you think it should be, but the way that God said it would be. And when we do that, we're going to know the truth And when we focus on that truth, as Jesus said himself, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You will be delivered from the lie of the adversary. Now how does the truth make us free? It's twofold here. Number one, by showing us the way to go. And number two, by shedding light on all the lies that have kept us from going. There are some of you right now that the only thing between you and the blessing and the favor of God being poured out in your life in new and dynamic ways like you've never known is the courage to overcome the lie of the adversary and begin to walk by faith in the calling of God for your life. It's just that simple lie that continues to resound over and over and over again in your spirit. And it's holding you back. But I'm telling you, when we're grateful people, we're going to focus on the things that are true, the things of God that are of a good report. We're going to meditate on those things, as Paul said. And we will find that as we are grateful and we're focusing on God's blessing, that it begins to dispel the lies of the adversary. Number two this morning, a grateful heart rescues us from the trap of comparison. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the power of contentment and how that contentment with godliness is great gain. So it is a benefit and it is advantageous for you and I to be a content people. But can I tell you that the enemy of contentment is comparison? The enemy of contentment is comparison. Because again, it doesn't matter how richly the Lord is blessing you. All it takes is a glance over at my neighbor. And I look at what I have and I look at what he has. And all of a sudden, what I have dramatically reduces in value. At least in my own mind. No, it, and it negates in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, the fact that God has blessed me. But he didn't bless me like We see that laid out in the life of the psalmist Asaph in the 73rd Psalm. He begins to tell about how he began to focus on the prosperity of the wicked. And he tells about how he almost backslid and and walked away from the faith because of how the wicked prospered. He said, my my steps were almost gone. My feet had almost slipped when I beheld the prosperity of the wicked. And he goes on to say, they don't don't even have troubles like I have troubles. You know, they're blessed. They've got more to eat than they know what to do with. They've got more possessions. and, And it just seems like everything's going their way. He said, but then I went in the sanctuary. I got in the presence of God. My perspective began to change. And I I was then reminded of their end. And then I'm reflecting on the word that says, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? then he began to rejoice. You see, he began to turn his focus away from what he didn't have and regard what he did have. And what he did have was an eternal promise that was sure in Almighty God. Contentment, as we studied, with godliness is great gain. Comparison is the enemy of that contentment that ushers gain into our lives. And if we'll spend just enough time comparing my hand to everyone else's hand, why, it won't be long before we're ready to fold. Just walk away. There's always the trap of comparing what I have to what another possesses and that will oftentimes cause you to have an immediate loss of value in in what God has blessed you with. But how many of you know there's more to the comparison trap than just comparing my material goods and blessings to another's? And I want to help some of you today to get out of the comparison trap because the truth of the matter is until you can get out of the comparison trap until you can be satisfied with the blessing of God in your life in the form of the person that you are it doesn't matter what else you have it'll never be enough until you can stand not out of conceit not boastfully or proud But until you can stand and recognize God's creation in you. Until you can see God's design in your life. And understand that who you are is okay. Nothing else will ever be enough. You'll never be satisfied. See, in our generation. It's comparing ourselves constantly to many photoshopped and airbrushed images that we see on a daily basis. And it's damaging to our self-image and it puts us at, at risk of missing out on a lot of blessing. You know, we're all getting older. I know that was painfully obvious. I'm at that stage of life when Some folks begin to lose their hair. Get up every morning and say, thank you, Jesus, for hair. Now, if I were to look at Sean, I wouldn't be so grateful for mine, right? Maybe our youthful looks are beginning to fade, and the story of the decades is beginning to be told through the way that we look. Some folks say they're losing their hair. Not me. No, no. I just find it in different places than it used to be. (laughs) My hair is simply migrating. (laughs) It's just it's found more fertile fields and it's beginning to move. You know. and you say, well, well, Pastor, that's just a natural part of life. And maybe it is. But it's a part of life that can cause us to begin to take a very critical look at ourselves. You know, you're standing there in front of the mirror first thing in the morning. In your mind, you're still a teenager. In the mirror, though, there's a middle-aged man looking back at you. And you're like, who is this? I don't, I don't know him. And some of you young folks in here, you're laughing at me. On the inside, I'm laughing at you because your day's coming. <laughs> yeah. No, in all seriousness, though, some of you from the earliest days that you were able to. Con- comprehend you've had an all-out war raging in your mind as you've compared yourself to the homecoming queen or the captain of the football team or you know someone who has better clothes than you do and you've always felt less than just a little bit beneath the status quo maybe you were a little bit on the nerdy side Maybe you were a little on the scrawny side or a little on the plump side. Maybe you were too tall or too short. Maybe you had to wear glasses or maybe you wished you did. Maybe other people got better grades and excelled faster and it took you just a little bit longer. Maybe people told you to your face that you weren't good enough. You might have been abused or rejected. Whatever the case, you've spent a lifetime comparing yourself to everyone and what you have to everything around you. And you've found yourself in a vicious cycle of constantly trying to measure up and to be good enough. I want to ask you a question this morning. When's the last time that you ever considered that it was God himself who knit you together in your mother's womb and that he has loved you with an everlasting love? Even when you didn't deserve it, you got it. It was for you when you were hopeless and undone that he sent his world son into the world to die. He loved you so much that he gave his only begotten as a ransom to redeem you and to give you life. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And though the rest of the world may look at you and just see a lump of clay... The God of the universe looks at you and says, I see in him, I see in her a vessel of honor and I love him so much that with great patience and care I'm going to strive with him. I love her so much that I'm going to shape and fashion her into what I know she can be. When's the last time that you've simply stood in front of the mirror and reflected on God's promises for you, God's care and tender mercy for you? When's the last time that you've considered God's call and anointing in your life and not out of conceit because you thought you had it all together, but based on the truth of the word of God said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know, we're looking at this, that's from the 139th Psalm. And you say, well, pastor, you've gotta understand here, we've gotta do a little contextualization because that was David, the king of Israel, who wrote those things. Was it now? Let me tell you something, for all of you who don't appreciate your history classes, let me tell you that it's a luxury. A historical glance is a luxury. Because we can look back over the span of a lifetime and we can see all of the things that that individual went through, all of the hurdles that they faced and all of the trials and adversities and finally where they ended up. And we can say, bless the Lord, great for them. Praise God, I'm thankful for people like David, extraordinary individuals that have walked this, uh, he's a giant slayer. He killed the bear and the lion with his bare hands. He's the king of Israel. He's a man's man. Yeah, he had trouble and he had adversity, but it was because he was such an incredible individual that he was able to overcome those things. I want to take you back to the start of David's life just for a second. David was living his life in real time just like you and I are. There were things that were spoken over him. There were things that were said about him. There were things, there were reasons that he could have looked at his brethren and said, you know what, because I'm not one of them, I can't ever be who God has created me to be. And some of you right now, you're like this far away from just something dynamic breaking out in your life. But the first thing that has to happen is you're going to have to take your eyes off of what God has purposed for everybody else. And stop comparing to that and get a hold of what God has purposed for you. Because you are his creation. He loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. You may not be the hippest, you may not be the coolest, you may not be the prettiest, but God loves you and he has ordained you with purpose. Can I remind you here this morning that David was voted least likely to be the king of Israel by his own father? I mean, when the prophet came to Jesse's house and knocked on the door and said, hey, Jesse, I've got a revelation from the Lord. You're not going to believe it. But God has said that the next king of Israel is going to come out of your household. Gather all your sons. So he went and he gathered all the sons, except one. Oh, David, king of Israel, giant slayer sweet psalmist left him out there tending the sheep because he overlooked God's purpose in David's life. That's where the the verse comes from where it says God looks at the man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart. And even his own father was looking at the outward appearance and said there's no way. I'm talking to somebody right now, you were, you, right now as I'm talking about this, you've gone all the way back to elementary school and you remember standing on the sidelines waiting to be picked for a team and finally the last sucker who got the chance to pick had to have you. And you've carried that with you. You may be grown and some of you may think it's funny but there's some of you in this room that that is resonating in your spirit right now and every time that you get ready to take a step of faith the enemy brings that back to your remembrance and it resonates in you. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe you have been rejected by a spouse. Maybe somebody has turned you down and discredited you at every step along the way. And you just live life in the prison of comparison. And say, well, if I could just be who they are and what they are. Honey, you don't have to be anything but what God has designed and created you to be. If you will focus on being grateful to God for what he's done and is doing in your life, specifically, it will deliver you from the trap of comparison because, you see, when I'm busy counting my own blessings, I don't have time to compare it to another's. Number three, a grateful heart will posture us for greater blessing. And you say, Pastor, don't you mean position? No, I don't. I mean posture. There are postures in the Bible that God resists, even hates, and there are postures that God blesses and increases. And a lack of gratitude, a heart that is not grateful to God for his blessing, fosters a posture of pride. And God hates pride. And you may be saying, well, Pastor, wait a minute now, that's strong language. We're all, we're all Christian folks here. Let's not let's not talk that way, you know. I was thinking about replaying this message a little later on in the day because it was encouraging me. But the kids will be home, and I've told them not to say that they hate things. And you're up there saying that God hates things. Well, it's scriptural. God hates pride, and we need to learn how to hate the things that God hates. And bless the things that he has blessed. In Proverbs 6 it says this. There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven were an abomination to him. First on the list. Chart topper number one thing. A proud look. Pride. The very first. It made the top of the list. Therefore, and we read it over and over and over in scripture. God resists the proud. I don't want to be resisted by God. God resists the proud. Now, as I said, there are several scriptures provided in your notes for further study. We won't take the time. But suffice it to say that God's blessings do not rest upon the proud. Gratitude, however, fosters a posture of humility. We don't take God's blessings for granted. We're not haphazard in our approach to to God. We look around at all that God's doing in our lives and we're humbled because we realize that nothing that we've got came to us by our own hands or under the burden of our own shoulders. But it was God who's given us the strength. It was God who provided the opportunity. It was God who opened the door. It was God who gave us the wisdom to be able to go out and to be blessed and to live in his blessing. I want you to look Genesis chapter 32. You remember that whole sordid tale of the life of Jacob. Jacob stole his brother Esau's birthright he and his mom conspired together to, uh, to rob Esau of his father's blessing. Finally, Esau's rage is just reaches a boiling point and Jacob has to run away from his father's house, a fugitive from his brother. And he, he leaves and he flees and he's traveling light. You'll see that here in just a minute. He doesn't have anything when he leaves but a walking stick. If you follow that narrative through the scripture, you'll see one day that the Lord has spoken to Jacob and said, Jacob, it's time to go back home. It's time to go back to your father's house. And he starts heading that way. And there are a great company. For for the last decade and a half, he's been living at his uncle Laban's house. And God has been blessing him. And God has been prospering him. And it's evident that the hand of the Lord is on his life. And on that journey, on that trek back home, we see Jacob pause and he gives these words and he says to the Lord, I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness that you have shown to me, your servant. Why, when I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. I don't take any credit I didn't get it because I deserved it I got it because you loved me and you blessed me if there's a roof above you tonight it's not because you deserve it if there's food on your table this afternoon it's not because you deserve it I mean what have you done to deserve it that someone who doesn't have it didn't do other than be born in a land of prosperity and as humility grows so does our appreciation for God's gifts in our lives and with that so does our stewardship of the things that God has given us let me tell you something I had a lot of friends my and my parents took great care of me. Everything I needed was provided for. Not everything I wanted. I had a lot of friends that their parents provided for them. Not only did they meet their needs, but gave them everything they wanted. One summer when I was 13 years old, I chopped tobacco all summer long. And I finally saved enough money, and I bought a Nintendo entertainment system. And 31 years later, 32 years later, I still have that very same thing. Because I value it. I understand how it got to me. And it wasn't just something thrown at me, but I know where it's at because I know what it cost and I recognize how it came into my life and I have a greater appreciation for it and because I have a greater appreciation for it, my stewardship over it is better. And you may say, well, that's silly. Well, maybe it is to you. But to a 13 year old kid in the Eastern North Carolina, humidity and heat in a tobacco field, it's not that silly. But I'm telling you, when you begin to recognize God's blessing and you don't take it for granted, your stewardship over the things with which God has blessed you begins to increase. And as stewardship begins to increase, so does your position and your posture to receive greater blessing in your life. When we recognize God is the giver, then we strive to honor him with the gift that he's entrusted to us, be it material things or spiritual things, physical things. And in Matthew 25, we read these words from the parable of the talent. And the master was full of praise and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Humility fosters those things in us that positions us for greater blessing. I'm going to ask Commander Corey to come here and join me on the platform. Because Commander Corey here helps to lead our young men's program on Wednesday evenings. If you'll just come around here. And this past Wednesday evening, they they did a thing that they called a praise chain. And what they had the young men in there to do, what's the age ranges in there from 7 to eleven, seven to 11-year-old boys who you all think don't understand the time of day. But they can see and understand the blessing of God. And I'm going to prove that to you here in just a minute. But they were given these little strips of paper and they were instructed that for, for every strip of paper you're given, write one thing for which you're thankful. And we're going to staple them together and we're going to make a praise chain. Okay? Y'all ready? How many of you feel blessed today? Come on, come on, come on. How many of you feel blessed today? Now, first service, this was a bit of a challenge here. But uh, oh, there, there we go, there we go. And the kids begin to write these little things on here. Some of them are so profound. They're, they're on this thing, there, there's the Bible, there's God, there's family, there's sisters, there's uh, is 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 Drew in here, our officer. Somebody even wrote the Popo on here. And some. Spirit-inspired God-anointed child even wrote the tar heels on one of these chain links. Amen. Come on, somebody. Whoo, mm, Jesus. Uh. Mm. But they began to count their blessings. And they counted. And they counted. Mmm, my word. Good. Whew. I don't think I'm gonna ever get to the bottom here. And they began to count and they began to count and they said, thank you Lord for my mama. Thank you Lord for my daddy. Thank you Lord for my church. Thank you Lord for food. Thank you for education. Thank you for my church. Thank you that I'm saved. Young boys, seven to 11. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning. If you were, you'd stand on your feet and begin to praise God. And they wrote, said, Lord, I'm thankful for water. I'm thankful for money. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for joy. I'm thankful for my bus driver. I'm thankful for my school. I'm thankful for a protector. I'm thankful for my principal. I'm thankful for Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for lights. I'm thankful for my body. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. thankful and it just keeps going and going and going and going and And they're only I guess because they ran out of time, they eventually stopped. But Commander Corey was telling me that even when it became playtime on Wednesday evening and the other kids were up and they were beginning to run around and beginning to frolic, there were still some who said can I just have a few more slips of paper? Because I want to sit here and I want to write a few more things <laughs> I'm not done praising God yet. I'm not done saying thank you Jesus for the blessings in my life. Oh, it may be a long chain and we might have got it stretched all the way across the room, but I'm not done quite yet. I gotta praise him just a few more times. Come on somebody. And these are young men from seven to 11 years of age And I guarantee you that if you and I, at the wisdom and experience that we've had of walking with the Lord now, if we were to begin to sit down and we were to count and count all the ways that God has blessed us, it wouldn't just stretch across this platform this morning, but it would stretch around the room over and over and over again the times that we could say, Thank you, God, for blessing my life. Thank you, Lord. For providing the need. Thank you, Lord, for the people that you've blessed me with. Jesus. Jesus. Would you just lift your hands and begin to praise him right now. In your own words, just begin to express thanks. God, we know there's a great power in having a grateful heart. Because, Lord, when we begin to look in our little box of blessing... And we begin to recount your faithfulness, Lord. All we can say is great is your faithfulness, oh God. And the more we begin to focus on the truth that we are truly blessed, the more blessing we see, and the more blessing comes, and the more reason we have to rejoice and to give you praise and to glorify you and to honor you and Lord today we say thank you Lord we are not worthy of the least of these your blessings God Lord it doesn't matter who has more Your blessing in my life is almost uncomprehendable. God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for my home. I thank you, Lord, that when I leave this place, I'm going to have something warm to eat. When I go home tonight, I'm going to have a safe place to lay down and to rest. It's going to be warm tonight. When it's cold outside and when it's hot outside, it's going to be cool in my house. I'm not going to stumble or stagger in the darkness because you provided light. God, I don't come to rejoice today by myself, but I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters and those of like faith today. So rich, so full, so wonderful are your blessings. Lord, today, as we count your blessing, God, we see what you have done. We see your mighty works, O oh God. We understand that you're a good, good Father. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.